and you are listening to The Breakfast Show here on Faith FM. It is 8.04. We are in our studio here, our temporary studio here in Curry Curry, and we are bringing you our next quiz. Our next one is Paul was wronged by Alexander the is it A, coppersmith, B, tent maker, C, tax collector, or D, silversmith? Or E, the great. If you know the answer to that one, <laughs> is the number to text. And, of course, you go into the draw to win Food as Medicine, one of the most epic, amazing cookbooks we are wanting to give you absolutely for free. In fact, awarded the best health and nutrition cookbook in the world for 2017 at the prestigious Gourmet World Cookbook Awards. I love this because it's not just like a bunch of like independent health, health people who have said it, but it's literally awards that they give for cookbooks. It's so it's it's the best cookbook. It's it's not just like oh yeah, all the food in here is really innovative and healthy. It's like yeah, but the way it teaches you to eat it and make it, it's it's the best in the world. It is. Doing that. It seriously is. Absolutely. So zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. You want to read that question for us one more time? Yeah. Paul was wronged by Alexander. That was it a coppersmith, b tent maker, c, c tax collector, or d silversmith. Absolutely. Again, that number to text zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. We just had Justin Lawman on to talk about a very interesting segment again about you know moving to the rural areas. I know mm. I'm super appreciative at the moment. I am down in the Lake Macquarie area here in the Newcastle region, and I'm staying. We have like two acres, three acres, and then it backs onto Fabulous. like a hundred acres of reserve, basically. So you just walk out my backyard. There's a little trail there and then you get onto the rest of the trails got the fire trails and whatnot and then then it just connects all out and it's just it's just a really beautiful spot i mean i am a fan i I was still i was talking about in our intro section you know going into the city i love catching the train into the city and walking around all day and getting good food and whatnot but i think one of the key thoughts that he shared there that was so important and we were talking about this a little bit off air Mm. because it's like okay we we need to get out of the cities right yeah. You need to get out of the cities because, oh, it's, you know, it's terrible in the cities. Uh, and, well, we- and the crisis that's coming. But if, if you look at what happened during COVID-19 and, mm. you know, what, what happened during that time is that it was within the cities particularly that people really struggled um, uh, in, in that aspect. And when we moved here with my husband here to, to the coast near Newcastle two and a half years ago, um, so many people had moved out of Sydney. It was so hard, and it, it relates to what, what Justin was saying about the housing crisis. Just to get rental or purchase a home was seriously yep. so hard, so hard. Yeah, oh, man, it is it is devastating. As as a Novocastrian, you know, seeing the, the housing crisis here, I know plenty of friends who have tried to get rentals here because mm-hmm. they're like students or whatever it may be, and just how packed it is and like like you go along to a housing inspection for like a two-bedroom apartment that is like gross they're they're like and by gross i just mean like not very well up kept mm-hmm. like two-bedroom apartment that's not that great uh for like four hundred dollars a week or something which is a ridiculous price and <laughs> it's it'll it's you know it's packed it's literally filled with people and mm-hmm. people paying more than that people like oh yeah, yeah. So I can secure this house, five hundred, you know, bucks for, for like one of the worst places to stay. Mm-hmm. It's it's a you know very difficult circumstance here. But then the question comes: It's like, oh well, do, do we just a ab- 
abandon the cities then and abandon all the people that live in them? And I think the answer is no. Something key that Justin said is when you see the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. And what we understand this to be from Bible prophecy is enforced worship by government agencies. Mm -hmm. And I think, uh, like, well, Justin there, he said enforced uh, worship coming from America. That's something Mm -hmm. that I personally agree with, but... I think I'm really comfortable to share something like that when it's like when we see it from the Bible. And I think the Bible is quite clear. The Bible is so clear about all of these things. But even from a cursory reading, it's like enforced worship. That's what we see. It's like when we see enforced worship from government, you know, and from from hierarchical powers, Mm. it's like, okay, now it's time to flee. And while we're not in that place yet, our mission to the cities still goes forth. Our mission to the city still goes forth. And, and at the same time, too, I love what Justin said, <clears throat> is today's the day to move out from the centre of the cities. He said, he didn't say, you don't, you know, don't go to the suburbs as well. He said, live in those suburbs. Because mm. those possibilities are still there. But the mission needs to be in the cities. That, so stay yeah. there. But at the same time, be considering, be, he, what he's saying is be prepared. Don't wait till when it happens. Because as we know, with the flood, people waited till the very last minute. Um, when they didn't believe the rain was coming 120 years Noah was preaching it mm. but he, but people didn't believe it and when the rain came it was too late and that's Absolutely. what we're seeing here you know with Matthew uh, in Matthew 24 speaking of that and with what Justin's saying be prepared be prepared and God is with you wherever you are mm. and I think that's an incredibly important point to be prepared because you might be here now and listening to us and thinking like oh you know oh, okay be prepared but then it's like, oh, well, you know, eventually, like, I'll see the abomination desolation and then I'll make those decisions. And then, you know, oh, so like, I can, I guess I can take my foot off the gas now, you know, I can, can just coast a little bit. And then eventually when we get there, and I think the key, the very key and the very important thing is that, that we see from Revelation, particularly Revelation 14, when we look, oh, Revelation 13, when we see how it is that, you know, these enemies of God, the beasts of Revelation, you know, these nations that enforce mm-hmm. worship, how they're successful, is that they begin firstly with enticement, and that will win most of the world. They begin, you know, and the Bible describes... It's very describes, slow luring, isn't it? That's right. You fire don't even know when down. you're going in across. Absolutely. Fire coming down from heaven, you know, it's showing signs and miracles and miraculous wonders, and people are like, whoa, you know, and so they, they get sucked in. Mm. And then that is followed by force. And so I think right now we're in the enticement age. You know, we're we're in this time in which it's the, hey, well, look at what we have to offer. Look at what we have to do. And for us as Christians, we're like, oh, well, well, you know, for us as as Christians and people who are trying to follow the Bible, it's like, oh, well, you know, I I don't need to subscribe to that. You know, Mm -hmm. I know that it's not good or it's not true and it's not real. But then when it comes to force, how much more difficult does it become to make, to take those stands and to make that decision uh, to, to choose Jesus when it's, oh, hey, now your everything is on the line, your mm-hmm. family, your finances, whatever it may be, it's mm-hmm. all on the line. And we have never lived in an age in which, you know, there is such a system where we can just be completely shut down and shut out mm-hmm. of life and living and participating in society as right now. And there are plenty of practical benefits that come from that, but then not from the perspective of, you know, when we look at the control that can come from an entity as a result of that. And and I think many people are already, you know, COVID was a great litmus test for that. 
people losing their jobs over mm. over all kinds of reasons and and so it's it's really sad unexpected and all overnight absolutely yeah. but that being said we have a god in which we can rely on and who's actually aiming and who is trying with all that he might to rescue us. Mm. This is the Jesus that we see of the Bible, the great rescue mission that he has done to come down to this earth, to live, to die, to resurrect for our sake. And before we, we actually want to share some stories, get some ideas. I think we should open up the Bible first and see what the Bible says about this great rescue mission and then yeah. you know reflect on it a little bit. So Ephesians chapter 2, and we can get in verse 1 to 10, if you can get that for us, Denuda. Yeah, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others." But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, that, that, that word dead keeps coming up, doesn't it? Dead in trespasses, but made alive. I love this verse. Um, and we're going to unpack all of this more mm. throughout this week, but made us alive to, together with Christ by grace. You have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by by grace you have been saved through faith, and not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for good works which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Oh, fantastic stuff. And a really iconic ending to the passage that we just read as well. You know, very, very well-known verses, but ultimately getting to the work that God has done to save us. He Mm. is the one who has put his foot forward here, we can see. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. And there is just truly something about a good rescue story that touches us about Mm -hmm. people. I can say consistently my favorite movies, my favorite pieces of media, my favorite stories, the ones that like, I, I cry really. I don't think I cry easy, but I cry in particular when, you know, those themes of the rescue story come out in a piece of media, whatever it may be. When, when a group of people put, them, you know, put the others that they're trying to rescue, whatever it is, they're putting them in front of their self in order to save them. I always cry in war movies. Oh, it just gets, oh, of course, there's war movies that are about like atrocity and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. war movies like, say, a Hacksaw Ridge, for example. That's, that was a powerful like, one. Oh, hey, man, it yeah. just sends, you know, tears down my cheeks. Or in particular, so there's a movie that's it's quite popular. Uh, well, won a number of Oscars, actually. It's called The Pianist uh, from I remember 2006. seeing that years ago. And, yes. um, it, you know, it, that movie, it, well, it's basically tracing someone's life. It's, you know, played by Adam Brody, I believe. It's uh, tracing this guy's life and his, he's a Jew who ends up escaping, you know, 
um, he, he, he doesn't end up going to a concentration camp. He's living in Warsaw, Poland. What's his name? Robert yeah. Schwielman or something yeah, like yeah. this. And, oh, man, yeah, that po- movie he, cr- makes me cry. Doesn't it? Because the thing is, his story is quite fascinating because mm. he actually was one of the key pianists, like yeah. famous key, uh, pianists in Poland. Mm. And really what saved him, he was pulled aside, you know, and what saved him through those years through the war, you know, yes, he was a Jew. Um, yeah. And it was the the music in his head that yeah. kept him going and kept him sane. <laughs> yeah. And I thought it's so true, isn't it? Like when you're musical, that that's that stuff does keep you going. Mm. And for him, he actually didn't really realize at the end. Do you remember the ending? Is too he didn't even realize that the war had quite ended. He yeah. came out, he was surrendering, you know, arms up in the air, and but they're like, no, no, the war's over. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And and particularly, well, his story in general, like this, uh, if there's there's a particular scene and this is reflected in his autobiography as well which i i uh, i'm not going to say i like sat down and read through the whole thing but i did i read you know i read a fair chunk of it because i became very interested after mm. and that scene towards the you know the end of his story and his exploits of actually being found by yep. a nazi soldier That's and it. this is this is often what took place with many nazi soldiers who weren't ss you know when mm. they were just part of the wehrmacht and they weren't really on board they could see they were losing the war and they weren't really on board with what Hitler was doing. Uh, they they weren't you know part of the the genocide crew. They were just kind of like, oh, we're losing this war and we're not really about this message. Is that they often help civilians and whatnot <laughs> who you know who were who were there around them and simultaneously. Uh, th- there's actually many stories of them defecting, but there's a particular story that comes from his you know he's he's living in like the abandoned ruins in in Warsaw yeah. um, that have been bombed and whatnot, and he's like scavenging for food. He and he meets a a Nazi, a Wehrmacht general, yeah. uh, like a soldier who ends up, you know, feeding him and giving him some food and, and looking after him. And that part of the movie, man, just makes me tear up because I yeah. see it's like, essentially for this for this soldier, he he really is just like going out of his way to help this person. It's it, mm. and it's this theme of of rescue, mm-hmm. of selflessness, mm-hmm. of self sacrifice that is so so touching. And maybe you you know you have a story that you can think of as well. You can send it in zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. One that's of recent memory that was quite uh, you know very very famous and huge effort for these people is. That of like the 2018, the, the Thai cave rescue. Yes. You, you know about that one? Yes. Uh, the, this junior soccer team that got stuck in yes. a, you know, a series of caves in Thailand. Well, basically they were exploring caves, you know, doing some, some cave diving. And the water and levels went up in the time that they were there. They couldn't That's get right. out. Well, they hit a, a monsoon came through yeah. and just flooded the caves and they were stuck there. I, I've got the numbers up in front of me. It's from the, well, from the 23rd of June to I believe it was the 11th of July was when they got out. Um, and yeah, between the 8th to from, from um, the 8th to the 10th of July, they had gotten all 12 boys out and the rescue mission mm. that happened as a result. And, it, it was all of like over, it said over 10,000 people were involved yeah. in this mission, all these soldiers, but particularly, um, these expert divers. The divers who couldn't see anything where yeah. they were going. Mm-hmm. Um, and they risked their lives to mm. save. They didn't know if they would be able to save them, but when they saved the first one, that gave them hope for the rest as well. But, and well. I think it's amazing that, well, every single person 
who was needing to be rescued. All 10 of them survived. And then simultaneously, you know, it's, it's tragic and sad that there was one diver who lost his life and then Navy SEAL that lost his life later because of a, uh, a blood infection. But ultimately we see people taking just huge risks and r- these really selfless acts mm-hmm. in order to save people from these predicaments. And yeah, it, it's touching because I think all of us are in a position where we don't feel like we deserve it most of the time. We are very conscious as people, and you could maybe call this self-conscious, of the fact that we often fail. Um, we often don't live up to people's expectations. Um, and But whether it's the expectations of people or not, we can just kind of self-reflect and say, man, I am not that good of a person. Mm-hmm. Like, I... My value to people and to society, like, really isn't that much. I'm one of 8 billion. We're up to 8 billion now. I'm one of 8 billion. And yes, you know, I have an effect on my circle of influence, but, you know, potentially the thoughts might come up. It's, and, and this is something that maybe, you know, uh, people who have experienced depression or seasons of depression think of as like, oh man, well, if I just wasn't here tomorrow, mm-hmm. Then who would even care? Like, mm. well, you know, what am I doing here? Why am I here? But there is someone who cares, isn't Absolutely. there? Even if we might not feel it in in the physical sense of somebody, you know, from our family or in our community, mm. there is somebody up above who does does mm. care, and that's the beautiful yeah. thing, you know, that the whole Bible is actually God's rescue plan, and that yeah. this passage that we read just earlier from Ephesians mm. is is going even more intimately into some of that stuff. Yeah, I remember, you know, just encountering that concept for the first time. I think before, so that was when I was 17, before that point in my life, I'd gone to Christian schools and whatnot, and I'd heard powerful messages. And I remember even one time, I was 13 years old, I was at my Christian school, and there was a day that we got off to go to a conference, and you had to sign up to do it. There was six of us who went. I was the the rest of the six of us who went from our year group. They're all like Christians from Christian families and whatnot. Me, I wasn't. I just wanted the day off school. But uh, this guy gets up to preach this sermon, and he, he got up, and he grabbed the podium, which was this wooden stand, and he put it over his shoulder, and he spent the whole sermon just walking around with this podium on slung over his shoulder and just talking about how Jesus carried the cross, you know, it's like, and now we're called to do so. And I remember hearing things like, that. I'm like, wow, that's, that's inspiring. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's very mm-hmm. interesting. And that appeal at the end and all the kids stood up and I was like, Oh, I better stand up too. <laughs> um, but then being 17 and for the first time encountering the narrative that despite us failing, Jesus mm. takes us in because the reality is, is that our need for being rescued is very much self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Unlike a situation of war, even the Thai cave kids, you know, it's like, oh, they got stuck in this cave because the monsoon came through and, it's, and you have this level of sympathy for them. There is almost no sympathy that anyone could have for this earth because of, because the fact that there is sin here is not as a result mm-hmm. of force, but as a result of choice. I have a choice. We have chosen to be here. You know, I've often, uh, I've often heard it said, yeah, the, the thing that you contribute to your salvation is the sin that me, that, uh, enables you to need it. Like, yeah. And, and so the thing is though, the choice stemmed right back to Adam and Eve, didn't exactly. it? Like, you know, they had the choice of the tree of knowledge of good and evil and they chose 
they chose to actually take the fruit. Yeah. God had given the whole garland, like, you know, this focus, and their focus was on that tree. But God said, you know, you've got the whole garden. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that's the same with us, you know, but the thing is we are born, we are born into a world of sin, aren't we? Absolutely. And ultimately, even though we, now we are born into a world of sin, so we are very much victims of sin simultaneously, we, we are perpetrators. Yeah. We participate in sin. We don't stand against sin. Um, and, and we can all see that in our lives. We can all see very clearly. It's like, why am I like this? Why am I doing this? And because, Why have I got those kind of thoughts? Th- yeah. That's right. But then we do them, and th- but then we, we actively choose to do them. It's like, oh, wh- why am I, you know, it's like, who can save me? And this is what Paul, you know, reflects in his epistles. Is, who can save me from this body of death? And yes. Jesus looks upon this situation and he says, I can. Mm-hmm. God has given everything for us. And we're going to talk about this more in our next section. Right. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we have our final quiz for today. Who is the woman in the Old Testament designated and calls herself a mother in Israel? Mm, hey. Mm. Okay, awesome. It's a name that's common still these days yeah. too, isn't it? Absolutely. In fact, um, it's the same name as... a. My girlfriend, who I call her my adopted sister. Aww. So that's the clue. <laughs> if you know who Danuta calls her adopted sister. You that... need to get into my head and yeah, know. Absolutely. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Of course, our prize for this week, Food as Medicine, Cooking for Your Best Health by Sue Rad, an incredible cookbook that we want to give you absolutely for free. Mm. But again, do you want to read that for us one more time? Yeah, who is the woman in the Old Testament designated and calls herself a mother in Israel? Zero four nine one zero. 064-669. We were talking about rescue, rescue stories, and even just reflecting a little bit in the song break there, just talking about, yeah, just the way those stories have affected us and the way that we can really see, you know, we can we can talk about cool movies or cool books or real-life situations, but again, we ultimately see that in Christ, the ultimate rec- rescue story of someone be like the selflessness of Christ to save us is far like it just the ultimate example i'm it's it's difficult to say far above because you you look at a story like hacksaw ridge for example mm. where you, you know look at uh, desmond doss and mm. uh, and that was one to like i saw the movie and was just so interested in his story and i read the book and mm. like his his autobiography and actually realized that there was a lot that they left out of the movie because of how just incredible it was he you know desmond doss is a christian man mm. in fight in World War Two, didn't carry a gun. Didn't carry a gun, didn't shoot, yep. He was a conscientious objector, but despite not carrying a gun, um, saved, well, in one night, saved almost 100 people off of Hacksaw Ridge and Okinawa. But he had, like, yeah. further campaigns in Japan and whatnot that he was a part of and just incredible stories coming mm. out of it. In stories of him just being completely selfless and even, like, supernaturally protected by God. Like, there was things that they... Supernaturally, because he was going back while, while, you know, there was just the war was going on, shootings everywhere, but he would go and rescue one person after another, drag yeah. them back 
take them down the cliff areas, yeah. you know, down to, yeah. Well, that's just a knocking out. There is like, there's this story. I, I'll just quickly say this. <laughs> this is, this blew my mind. There's a story that I read in the Hacksaw Ridge book. There's a group of soldiers, including himself, who are riding through, who are walking through a rice field. And there's a shot that goes off, a sniper yeah. shot that clips one of the, their guys, you know, hits him, yeah. hits him in the shoulder or something. And, and they hear the shot and everyone just starts, you know, running out of the rice field because they're open and they're exposed. Except Desmond. Desmond goes down and starts treating this guy and <laughs> all of the, his fellow soldiers are calling out to him saying, Hey, Des, like, get back you here. Get back. And he's like, you know, fixing this guy's wound and, you know, chucks him all over his shoulder and starts carrying him out. And they're not hearing the shot, and then they start thinking like, you know, because this sniper that's just shot them isn't isn't sending more shots. Then they start thinking like, oh, maybe he's up in the tree line here, and so they start advancing on his position where the sniper shot came from, and they ultimately reach the sniper bunker, and it's empty. And they're like, man, that was so random. He took one shot, clipped one of our guys, and then just, like, ran off. And even though Desmond's, like, in the middle of the field, like, fixing this guy up. Anyways, uh, about 50 years later, Desmond is in a church in Japan preaching and telling this story from the perspective that, yeah, you know, God just miraculously protected us at all different times. And at the end of telling this story, an old man walks up from the back of the church to the altar and says to Desmond, that was me, an old Japanese man. I was the sniper taking aim at you that day and he explains oh it's amazing he explains and they're both in church yeah yeah (laughs) he takes he took the shot he took the first shot from the gun and uh and it clipped this guy then he it's a bolt action rifle so he lifts the bolt up you know puts you know puts another round in goes to take the next shot the gun jams so then he re- like replaces the bullet, the gun jams. Replaces the bolt, the gun we jams. Replaces the stock, that, hey. the gun jam. Picks up his sidearm and goes to shoot the gun. Like everything is just jamming. He couldn't. He's got he like couldn't. Desmond's in the sights. Desmond is gone. But like he just cannot get a shot off. And so as a result, and and then they start advancing his position. He's so confused. He just runs off because he's like, I there's nothing I can do. And they meet like fifty years later. And it's an amazing story as well from, mm. from Desmond's position, like, because he puts him, he puts the, the needs of the soldier first. He's actually mm. protected by God. And, and that story is, these kinds of stories are left out of the movie because they're so miraculous. So miraculous. So amazing. Yeah, like, yeah. it's maybe even unbelievable from a Hollywood perspective. Yeah. yeah, that's it. And for Desmond, the thing that, that made him do that is he believed in the power of God mm. and the strength of God. He believed mm. he would be protected. Yeah. He believed God was on his side. And that's the beautiful beautiful thing and and you know well it's i think it's more than just belief but it's an intent to be on god's oh, side absolutely you know if if for example well, because the bible is clear it says even the demons believe and tremble you know the mm. the demons aren't confused as to as to who is god and who is jesus and what he has done you know there is no atheism amongst demons you know they they, they truly and wholeheartedly believe that God exists and is real and has done all these things. But it's again, like, and there are many of us who, and there are many people throughout history, including say a Judas, Judas is the ultimate, the perfect example of someone who knew Jesus, who knew the power of Jesus, who knew that Jesus was the Messiah. 
knew all of these things, yet rejected him anyway. Mm. And it's because of the intents of the heart. You know, what God is wanting to do for us is not just bring us to a place where we believe he exists, but rather bring us to a place in which we have a relationship with him, in which he leads and guides our lives, in which he works in our character and changes us to be more like him and to make, and this is who Desmond Doss was. He was someone who was sincerely convicted and like an amazing Christian who put God first in all that he did. And as a result, he was continually looked out for by God because Mm. the way he was fighting that war and the way that he was living was truly on God's behalf. Mm. And so God had a mission and a purpose for him. So then God was like, okay, I'm going to protect him. I'm going to protect him because I have a purpose for him that Mm. he is walking in. And I think this is where we're, and even if we throw it back to the situation we were talking about with, you know Justin Lawman are talking about fleeing the cities and 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 escaping persecution and and it was for those Christians in the time and the era of the destruction of Jerusalem. You know, they stayed in Jerusalem as long as they mm-hmm. could because it was the headquarters of the Christian church. It was where the missionaries were going out from into yes. the world. It was very important and advantageous to have that position. And so that you could, from their perspective, they're like, oh, well, as long as we can stay here in Jerusalem, we'll stay as long as we can. But as soon as they saw the signs that Jesus had said, come, as soon as they saw, hey, you know, it's time for us to leave. They relied on God and they got out of there. And historically, we know that they were spared from that destruction. Mm. They were spared from that, you know, the the death that came with the the you know as the historians say the blood that was running in the streets throughout Jerusalem as a result of the mm. the siege by the Romans mm. they were they were saved from that because their intent was to follow Jesus and because they listened to Jesus like this That's is right. so important everyone in the city had the opportunity to, to leave mm. um, but only those listening to Jesus left. And they all knew they should leave because Jesus' words, they were recorded. They were, by this time, you know, 70 AD is well after the book mm, of Matthew was written, mm. uh, well after the book of Mark was written. And mm. so Jesus' words are widespread, widespread. In, in this area. Yet it was those who were earnestly seeking him and listening to him. Those who, those are the ones who were saved. Yeah, so absolutely. We're going to continue on with the show. Uh, right now, we've got here Kemi Ogendi with... You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And we've come to a time where we just give some answers. Danuta, mm. let's, let's get it. According to Mark, what blind man shouted out in a loud voice to get Christ's attention? Mm. And the answer is... Bartimaeus. Big Bart. Big Bartimaeus. Absolutely. (laughs) Blind Bartimaeus on the side of the road there. Get the next one for us. Yeah. Among the many visions in the book of Revelation, there is one of a woman in the sky about to give birth to a child. What creature appears before her? And the answer is... A dragon. Yeah, I was talking about Revelation in my news segment, mm-hmm. and I was trying really, really hard to not say because I was <laughs> even talking about <laughs> I was even talking about the women. And I was talking about everything, and I was like, I was gonna maybe talk a little bit about Revelation twelve, but then I was like, well, I guess I have to skip it because mm-hmm. that is the answer: is the dragon standing before the women? You know, to do something quite grotesque to devour the tri- the child just after mm-hmm. it's born. Of course, this is you know symbolic looking at the fact that Jesus was born into this world and mm. pretty much spent a life escaping death right up until the point where he submitted himself to it, which is amazing. Yeah, and it's symbolic mm. of Satan, isn't it? That, mm. In fact, Revelation 12 was fascinating on that whole 
you know, attacks and escaping. You've got to really go through that chapter. Mm. It's fabulous. Mm. Uh, number three is four. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the blank bodily. And the answer there is Godhead. Or it can be deity too, depending which version you've got, but Godhead. Uh, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Mm. Our next one is Paul was wronged by Alexander the, is it A, coppersmith, B, tent maker, C, tax collector, D, silversmith, or Lawson's edition, is it Alexander the Great? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Was Alexander great around Paul's time? People could ask themselves that too. And the answer was no. He was very very dead. He had very much died. Of course, his legacy was long-lasting. And, you know, at Paul's time, he very much... He goes and interacts with the Greeks and whatnot. He heads over to Athens Mm. and Corinth and these areas. But that is not the answer. No, that is not the answer. The answer is actually D, silversmith. Mm. Um, In fact, you know, that one you find in Acts chapter 19, if you're um, wondering about that Mm. one. The coppersmith is also mentioned, that, but that's further down in the Bible in Timothy. Yeah, Yeah. but the silversmith there, well, that actually is a story coming from Ephesus. Mm. It is coming from Ephesus. You know, we, we covered when we did our introduction to the book of Ephesians and we looked at, yeah, the controversy that had been wrought by all of these silversmiths and coppersmiths and all of these guys who essentially were making idols and yeah. felt threatened by Paul's presence because many people were turning away from Artemis or Diana, you know, whichever you'd like to, whatever persuasion, whichever persuasion you're from, either Asian or European, that's the mm-hmm. different names that they had, um, turning away from the worship of her uh, to instead turn to Jesus. And they're like, oh, well, I guess we need to have a riot. Yeah, uh, as a that's result. it. That's it. Our last one is, who is the woman in the Old Testament designated and calls herself a mother in Israel? And Mm. the name is, and it's the name of my friend, my adopted sister, and the name Mm. is Deborah. Yeah. Oh, man. Epic stuff there too. Epic story. The story Mm. of Deborah, a judge of Israel, leading them out of persecution and and potential slavery and whatnot, really standing for the nation. A, a warrior queen, mm. we see, just, just getting it done. I, I love this story. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. And so the prize, of course, that you go in for in the draw this week is mm. for Food as Medicine. It's a big, beautiful, coloured, hardback um, cookbook, Cooking for the Best Health, and it's by um, Sue Rad, mm. and was awarded the best health and nutrition cookbook in the world for 2017 at the prestigious Gorman World Cookbook Awards. So awarded the top, first in first place in the world in 2017. Wow. You don't want to miss out. You want to have that. The other thing too, we were talking about Hacksaw Ridge and Desmond Doss earlier, a bit earlier. If you're also interested in the abridged version of the book, The Hero of Hacksaw Ridge, you can just text us in and let us mm. know that you want the abridged version as well. But yeah, just, um, yeah. Text text in anything to let us know how much you like Faith FM as well. Absolutely. Fantastic offers, guys. And, yeah, just continue to work away at this quiz and get in for this amazing prize. Praise God for that. But, hey, we admonish you and encourage you to talk faith, to live faith, and to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.